So I want to welcome everybody back to Soul Focus Podcast. This is Dustin uh, with you, and we have Mahdi. We are um, our CEO and uh, one of the co-founders of the Soul Focus Group. And what we are doing in our, in our podcast, if you've been following along, is we're capturing Mahdi's journey and really helping our listeners understand how do we get to the Soul Focus Group? How do we get to create this? Um, and so Mahdi, in our last podcast, you know, we, we ended with talking about a jailbreak and you know in many ways you breaking out of some of the ego confines of organized religion and this this led you down a path and i want to pick up at this point you know what what, what was what was the next you know as you kind of started to, to evolve what was the next uh, uh, uh pivotal moment on your journey towards soul-focused psychology well and being in the nation and becoming a, uh, an assistant minister after having come from the church and was a, a minister, now I'm an assistant minister in the mosque uh, and discovering, having some of the same discoveries that because of ego-focused psychology being rampant, it's like it was rampant in the church. You had people could speak the language who weren't practicing and that became prevalent. And But I had this desire, this great propensity in me to want to uh, you know, not want to, but to practice and speak the language and felt like if you speak in a language, you should be practicing. If you're not practicing, there's something wrong. And I, I, I was self-righteous at that time about it, which means mm-hmm. I had a whole bunch of blind spots. Well, well, I didn't realize, you know, that, you know, I didn't have I, would, I didn't have the compassion for people because I was still, you know, living under there's only certain people who are supposed to be loved. Mm-hmm. So I, I was, you know, still in struggle about, you know, <clears throat> does everybody deserve to be loved or is everybody worthy of love? And that's a that's a hell of a question, you know, because that puts your whole constitution uh, really in a, uh, you know, in a, just a hogmire. It, it really just turns everything around inside of you when you are not sure if everybody is worthy of love, mm-hmm. because then when you're not sure then you demonstrate a lot of anger and hostility, even when you're administering the truth. Right, right. So, how, I, so in a way, I was, I was learning about soul-focused psychology, but I was deep in ego-focused psychology, mm-hmm. which is why when I was in the church, I saw what I saw, which is why I was in the mosque, I saw what I saw. I right. saw what was wrong. I didn't see what was right. Same right. thing in the church. I saw what was wrong. I didn't see what was right. Right, right, right. And you see, and what, what you have a tendency to do when you're in ego-focused psychology, you focus on what's wrong, you focus on what's missing, you focus on what ain't there, you focus on the glass being half empty all the time. Right. When right. you show up in soul-focused psychology, you see what's working and you add on to what's working. Right, right, right. That's such a powerful shift in perception, bro. Oh, my God. And so, Madi, for our listeners, um, as you were you were kind of focused on what was wrong with everything, how was that? How was that? Well, how old were you about this time? Uh, by this time, I was maybe 22, 22. Yeah, 22. OK, so you were still very young. Yeah, very 21, young. Go- 21 going into 22. So me seeing that there's languages being used, but the practicing is not happening in the minds. It would begin, it would open up another, the same thirst that I've been looking to quench, same hunger looking to feel, fulfill. And that was to find a place where the two were coming together, where the practice and the language were marrying or integrating. Right. 
Right. And so, and so it w- that, that was my journey. I was constantly on that journey. Soul had me on that journey, but I didn't even realize it because I wasn't soul focused. Right, right. I became ego focused. And so I, I didn't hear the communication that was happening in soul, but soul was working out the plan from the get go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? I do. I do. So h- here I am, I'm, you know, moving toward what I don't really, what I don't realize because I'm not conscious of it. I don't remember it. But I'm moving on soul thinking, but thinking like ego. Mm. And that, that makes sense. So, you know. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Something inside of me, soul, is, is moving me to a place I don't even know because the magnetic force is that strong. But, I, but I'm interpreting everything, everything, every event that soul is sending my way. I'm interpreting it from an ego perspective. Mm. So I'm not getting the most out of it. I'm getting... I'm getting bits and pieces of clarity, enough to keep me going. And so what they would do was would, it would my hunger for to be to awaken, to remember, would bring me into contact with my teacher. Now at this time I was I finished my bachelor's degree in sociology and psychology and all that stuff. And I was contemplating going to, to get my master's. And I didn't I wasn't quite sure what I was gonna get my master's in, probably been in psychology and then going to become a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And I came into contact with my teacher and he blew my mind. I would hmm. say he washed my brain. Hmm. Hmm. You know, people say, well, you know, brainwash. Man, you got brainwashed. I got brainwashed. And I'm going to tell you why my brain needed to be washed. There was so much shit I had on my mind that was a lie that did not work about myself and about my people, about my community, about my future, about my life, that this world had taught me and I had started to believe and I needed to unlearn it, or as some people say, I needed my brainwash. Mm-hmm. So rather than going to get my master's degree in, in the customary traditional way, I said, I'm going to get my master's degree in another way. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would pursue him for at least six or seven months, going to his cleaners. He had a, a, a chain of cleaners. And when I, when I was first introduced to him, first of all, I was on the corner selling final call newspapers. Mm-hmm. Every day after work, when I got off from work, uh, working in substance abuse counseling, I would get off from work at five and go straight on the corner and start selling final call newspapers. Right. And so there was this older brother. His name was Brother Richard. And Brother Richard saw me and for some reason was drawn to me. And he came up to me and he said, brother, I got this, I got this, this teacher I want you to meet. And Brother Richard was a person that would buy my final calls quite often on mm-hmm. clockwork because he was coming out of work, too. Mm-hmm. You buy a final call. So we developed sort of like a relationship. So he said, I'm, tomorrow I'm going to come and get you and I'm going to take you by his take you by his business. So we go to his business. He on a chain of cleaners and he's sitting out on the, the back of his van with the tailgate open with a pair of sh- uh, shorts that were made out of a suit pants. Mm. So you can see the strings all dragging <laughs> and, he, and he have on some slippers <laughs> and a, a bus shirt. I'm like, uh-huh. I, I didn't know it was him. I thought it was the last person I thought it was going to be him. Yeah. So we get out of the car and I pass right by him. <laughs> Go inside the business and I'm at, waiting for Richard to introduce me to him. And Richard's calling me back outside. So I'm like, what are you calling me outside? So I go outside and he said, well, this is, this is Brother Wally. This is Brother mm-hmm. Wally I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. Now immediately, you know, I'm the college boy. I know everything. Mm-hmm. I'm, judge, I'm judging how he dressed inside my head. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the hell are you going to teach me? Because he looked like a bum. Right. And when Richard introduced us, Brother Wally started talking 
And without even realizing, he had spit off 100 years of history verbatim. Wow. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) And it was like love at first sight. I fell in love with what what he was demonstrating. I was like, oh, because that to me looked like practicing and using the language and then matching. Because I Mm. instinctively knew that to get to this level of clarity, you have to be matching. The language right. has to match the practice. Right, right. And I was like, oh, my God, I can feel it. I was like, this is what I want. I don't know. I can't get this in college because I don't already know what I got in college. There was no closing of the gap. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with college. But if all the students and the professors are ego focused in their thinking, then college ain't going to produce nothing better in any other place if you bring ego focused thinking into it. Right. So what I heard was soul focused. I heard a soul focus coming from him. Mm. And he would teach me for five years. Wow. We would meet three times a week at his house. I would be put out of the class on many occasions. <laughs> Why? Why were you put out, bro? For being a smart ass, thinking I knew everything. <laughs> and he yeah. would get impatient. He would get impatient and literally put me out of the class. One time he said, you're out of the class. You're out. Do not come back to my house. I don't want to see your face. I'm tired of dealing with your devil ass. Damn. And I walked out of his house. And the next day, I rang that doorbell at the same time. <laughs> he let you in? No, he no, he wasn't. He said, what the hell are you doing? Did I tell you not to come to my house? I said, brother, do you not realize you have something for me? And I cannot leave until you give it to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew that. I mean, I knew in my soul he had something for me. Right. And what would I realize that he had sort of like the holy grail of waking you up? <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, you know, us, you know, with the word sparking your memory, triggering your memory so that you will remember who you are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the first things he would teach us around the circle is the same thing my great grandmother would teach us around the circle when we would have prayer meeting in the house. All the little boys in the family, she would go around each one of them and say, you the one, you the one, you the one. And that's the same thing he did to us. It was 11 of us in the class. Do you know that you're the one? Do you know that you're the one? Do you know that you're the one? And he would hammer that into us in a very compassionate way. Hmm. That we were the one. And so that became reinforced. Now, that meant us being the one that we were whole. Right. You ain't got to be two, three, four, and five. All you got to do is be one. Right, right. So I, I was the beginning of Really, the, the unconscious conceptualization of soul-focused psychology, right? Mm-hmm. Monty, what, what, t- tell the listeners some of the things that you learned. Um, I mean, I know you learned I mean, oh, wow. five years, wow. right? I mean, that's a lot, right? right? But I mean, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is the smell of my teacher's house. Mm. There was always love, food being cooked. Mm-hmm. His wife, Dorothy... They had a loving relationship with each other, and it was it was real. And I, I would I would I would be amazed by it because there were very few times I would I had come into contact uh, in a mat or being able to witness and being around people who where the language and the practice was matching. That don't mean they were living perfect, because right. we none of us live perfect. We are perfect, but we don't live perfect. Right. Because it's a creation and we ain't finished yet. When we finish it, it's going to be a one of a kind. It will be perfect. But right now, we're still doing it. So 
is not perfect, but we are perfect. And it's important that you understand that because see from a soul focused thinking, you can't help but see yourself perfect because you're the only one. Right, that's right. Now, if you can get that, but from an ego-focused thinking, you see yourself as being imperfect. And then you mm-hmm. go out and you become like a, a reporter. Read all extra, extra, read all about it. I'm <laughs> imperfect. There's something wrong with me. I ain't shit. Uh-huh. And we, we literally be, you know, get on the bullhorn and con- try to convince people how fucked up we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which means we, what we're missing out on. We're missing out on the uniqueness, the completion. We're missing out on the power. Um, we're missing out on the, 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 the mission. We're missing out on all of that. Right. To prove to other people we ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I realized I couldn't get it. I couldn't get knowledge like that in, in university because I, I, I've been through some of the psychology classes and it was in one day, this man covered 300 years of history. Wow. And I, I used to fall asleep in history class. Mm. And he made the history so exciting that I was like, I couldn't, I could not, every day I couldn't wait for the next class. Wow. We would have homework. We'd have stuff to study. We had to read 150 books. Wow. It was it was rigorous. And like I said, I got put out a lot. <laughs> so one of the biggest things I learned, and a lot of people gonna think this is controversial. You know, you will hear this and you'll be like, oh, you're gonna want to fight. But let me tell you, soul does not fight anything. Mm-hmm. Every time you want to fight, it's ego wanting to fight. Because mm-hmm. some an aspect of your identity that you've developed from thinking for any ego is being threatened. Hmm. But you are not any of your identities on earth. Mm-hmm. That's why we say soul-focused psychology is divine identity psychology because you have a divine identity that supersedes every earthly identity you ever take on. Hmm. And when we start thinking in ego-focused psychology, we become attached to those identities and we want to hold on to them and we see the, the loss of that identity as our death. It's, that's how ego is uh, interpreting what's going on. Hmm. So it's important hmm. that we understand that. So when I, I decided, to, when I decided to go be, become a brother Wally's student, one of his students, I would have to be, I would be confronted with the loss of identities one after the other, one after the other. And so one of the biggest things that like, was almost like he uh, clicked a hand grenade and put it under my feet and ran was when he said to all of us in the class, he says, listen, I know that y'all have been waiting for a savior. And I I thought he was getting ready to tell us something deep about how the savior was gonna come, (laughs) you know, what kind of incantation we had to say to get this savior to show up in our life, because I had been believing it all my life. And this motherfucker said to us, he said, ain't nobody coming to save your ass. I was like, what, what, what? I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What you talking about? Nobody coming to save me. And I was defending what I had been <laughs> believing all my life. <laughs> and he would constantly say, nobody is coming to save you, brother. There's no spook guard coming from outer space to save mm-hmm. no human being from the problems that they created themselves, which they have the power to solve. Right, right, right. I was like, Oh, damn. I would experience going through migraine headaches for weeks. <laughs> I literally, every day I had a migraine headache. And the reason why I had that migraine headache because my fucking reality was being kicked in the ass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All the identities that I had taken upon that I now saw as myself were being destroyed. Mm. 
I had a migraine headache six weeks. I'm like, oh man, that's so fucked up. I'll be like, <laughs> I'll be sitting in the car with some of the brothers that were in the class, and we'd be talking to each other about the same headache. All of us got the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we all were mad because we wanted to disprove him. Yeah. And so we were looking up scriptures and the Quran and the Bible, and, and you know, and he came out of Islam, but he was a spiritual teacher more committed to the truth than proving a dogma. Right. Right. And right. see, that's the reason why, that's why you see the language, but you don't see the practice, is because the people that's leading are more committed to the dogma mm -hmm. than they are to the truth. Right, right. So if we were committed to happiness, bringing everybody into soul happiness, creating communities were filled with soul happiness, and we were committed to that, we would take all truth that supports it. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be no picking and choosing, oh, this is Christian truth. Oh, this is Islamic truth. Oh, this is Hindu truth. And we only deal with Hindu truth. And, and we only deal with Christian truth. That's all bullshit. Yeah, yeah. That is proof that we're not committed to the final result. And maybe in most cases, we don't even know what the final result is. We mm -hmm. don't even have a goal. We don't even have a vision for ourselves. But for us at the Soul Focus Group, our vision is soul happiness for the social justice, anti-racism community. Mm -hmm. That's our vision. That's what we're bringing people to. That's what we want to lead you to. Because think about that's, think about how powerful it is to be in happiness. We mm. we trivialize happiness because the world wants us to believe it's not that important. Right, right, and we're destined for suffering. Exactly, but guess what? You don't ever see no happy person blowing up no building. Nah, shooting you up no ever, school. Shooting up no school. You don't ever <laughs> see a happy person doing something <laughs> fucked up to other people. The only Scream. people that you see, the only people that you see doing that is people in pain. That's right. People hurt already and don't want nobody to know they hurt. That's and they right. go out and hurt other people, just like we say, hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, you know, Madi, at this point in our conversation, bro, what I want to do on the next podcast and for our listeners, what we want to do is I know through your experience with your teacher, you begin to develop and conceptualize your life coaching process. And the conceptualization of that. Uh, in many ways, is what I got to experience with you, um, and what many other listeners on the on the podcast got to experience with you. Whether it's through direct life coaching, or through it, attending interrupting racism, or Gatekeepers Academy workshop, or sending the right signal, or leadership deliberation. And so, I'm excited for our next call to really start to get into the the, the foundations of your life coaching practice your relationship with the People's Institute. And the other thing I really want to touch on is, is you as a parent. And when you brought the girls into the world and your relationship with Stephanie, and there's so much more for us to discuss. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so enjoying this uh, conversation. I know the listeners are enjoying it. And we look forward to the next podcast. Please stay tuned uh, for the next one. We'll continue the conversation with, with Brother Mahdi. And as always, we love you.